I hope you came tonight seriously uh, expecting to, to know more than you knew before about this subject of healing because this is becoming a big thing. You know, there, every one of us in this room knows someone or in what could be you're in this room already dealing with some type of a, a health situation. But if it's not you, it's somebody that you know. And so this is an extremely important thing uh, for two reasons. Number one, the season that we're in right now, all this stuff going on with this pandemic. And if it's not the pandemic, it's the vaccines and all this other stuff. And everybody's mind is on these things. Number two is because for too long. Uh, the church has not given the attention or placed the emphasis on healing as part of the atonement. And when I use that word atonement, it's a, it's a kind of a religious word. Some of you might not understand what it means. The atonement means the, the thing that Jesus accomplished for us when he went to the cross. Did not just He didn't go to the cross just for us to avoid going to hell. Okay, you know that whoever puts their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ is, that won't, won't, won't perish, will not go to hell. They will go to heaven. They'll spend eternity. You know, we can't even put that much emphasis on heaven because we're there for a short time. We'll talk about that another time. But to be in the presence of the Lord, included in that package, if you want to put it that way, is healing. Why? Because God is a good God. He's a good father, yes? Okay. God doesn't punish his children. See, see, you went a little south on that one. God doesn't punish his children, right? Okay, because he put all the punishment that you deserved and I deserved, and he put it on his son, on Jesus. So there's no use you suffering and Jesus suffered. It doesn't make any sense. So we need to learn that because that's going to become very much. And, and, you know, this past weekend, what I'm about to say, which I said last Wednesday, was confirmed by the special guest speakers that we had this weekend where they talked about evangelism. But let me tell you something, okay? Evangelism, the ability to reach the lost, is going to, from this point forward, involve very heavily healing. Healing. Why? Because what do you think is on most people's minds? Sickness, disease, all this kind of stuff that's going on. So when we reach them with, with the word of healing, then their hearts are open to receive who Christ is. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight, Lord God. We, we bless you. We praise you. Come on, let's lift our hands up to him. We, we lift our hands to you, Father, in honor and in praise and in worship because you are a good God. You're faithful to your word, Father. And Lord, I pray tonight especially, Lord God. I sense, Father, that there's people that have come here with real deep needs tonight, Lord God. I pray that the anointing that rests upon your word would just go forth tonight and manifest healings, Father God. Father, I pray that every single one of us in this room tonight would develop the faith right now in the name of Jesus to be able to receive the healing that comes from your presence, God, and that comes from your word. And Lord, we receive that right now by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're talking about this, this subject of healing, and that we've entitled this Healing Explained. Because it can be, uh, it can become kind of a, a controversial topic. Like I started out talking about last week. Um, I'm going to just do a quick, very quick review. We talked about you cannot approach the subject of healing by life experience. 
It has got to be received in the word of God. It's got to be received by faith because God said so. Now, I can't do a complete teaching again of last week. If you were not here last Wednesday, please go online. Uh, am I right, Jay? Uh, the audio? The audio is online from last Wednesday's teaching. You can go listen to that. Okay. Um, where was I going with that? Hold on a second. Received by faith. Okay. Um, whatever. Can you rewind what I just said? <laughs> by experience. Okay. You cannot measure healing, whether God's willing to heal a person or willing to hear you. You cannot go by life experience. No more than you could go by life experience by you saying, well, you know, I've met these born again Christians before, you know, they claim to be born again. But, you know, I know some of them and they live worse than people that are supposed to be out in the the streets. Okay, you can't measure salvation and you can't make a decision on whether you're going to receive Christ based on somebody else's experience. Okay, because the fact of the matter is the word says whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay, that's, you, you can, that's, that's without a doubt God's promise to us. So what do I mean when I talk about experience? Everybody in this room, I would venture to say, knows somebody that you either prayed for, ministered to, they were sick, and they died. They didn't receive their healing. We don't know why, but it doesn't mean that God's not willing to heal. So for you to say, well, healing doesn't work today. And listen, there are major denominations that this is part of their cornerstone belief system, that those things don't take place anymore today. They were very much alive when the original apostles were on the earth. But after the apostles died, that was the end of it. That's not true because people are getting healed all throughout this 2000 history, 2000 year history of the church. So approach this teaching with a clean slate. Forget about what your experiences are. Somebody asked Joel Osteen's dad, John Osteen, years ago. They said, what do you do if you go to the hospital and pray for somebody and they die? He goes, I go to the next room and pray for that person. (laughs) Now, that's not a heartless statement. That's like, that's not going to affect my faith because I don't know what's going on with that person. You know, years ago, we had a situation where um, we had a a, a church member and they got literally got hit by a car right outside here on the way coming to church. They parked across the street. It was dark at night. Somebody came, and the person that hit them was another member of the church. How do you think that made us feel? You know. And so, so it was serious. It was a very serious injury. And um, um, she had a son. It was just she was a single mom with a son. The son was about the same age as our children. And uh, obviously, we went to the hospital. I don't remember what we did with the service that night. Somebody must have took it over. But we ran up to Jersey Shore Hospital. And I'm thinking on the way there, oh, my God, if, this, if, she, if she dies, if she goes home to be with the Lord, I'm going to have to raise her son. This, he had nobody. And I knew, you know, we would have done that, but it wasn't God's best for that young man. So I remember being in the hospital in Jersey Shore, uh, three o'clock in the morning, raining like crazy, got my face pressed up against the glass. And I said to the Lord, please do not let her see heaven. Don't let her see the other side because she won't come back. And then I got to raise this kid. <laughs> you listening to me? And I was like, God, please don't let her, because she had a rough life. It wasn't easy. You know, when you're like that, you get a glimpse of the other side. You're like, what earth? What son? You forget about everything when you see him. So about a month later was the first time she could actually have some visitors because she was pretty much out in a coma. 
that whole time. And so I went to, went to see her and I said, can I ask you a question? What did you see when you asked? She goes, I'm so mad. I couldn't see anything. The Lord would not, I, could, I didn't see a thing all this time. I've been out in complete darkness. And I went, thank you, Jesus. So I, I brought that story up to, for this reason, okay? There are some times when somebody who's suffering, they get a glimpse of the other side. They're like, forget everybody that's taking care of me. Forget, because when you see this, so when somebody dies like that, that you're expecting, you don't know. They may have seen the other side and may have convinced Jesus to let them stay. Now, we, we know situations, firsthand experiences, some of us here, where people have gone, they've died. And the Lord said, no, you can't stay. You got to go back. You're not done yet. You got stuff that you have to do. You listening to me? What my point is this. We don't know why. Now, part of the teaching I'm probably going to get to next week is on the hindrances to receive healing. We'll talk about some of these things, like unforgiveness. We'll talk about some of these unbelief. Some people will lay in bed and go, yeah, yeah, I believe, I believe, I believe. But deep down inside, they really don't believe. And so they can't receive that. Now, that's not all the time, okay? So I'm going to just go right quick on Psalm 103. I remember that was a big deal to us last week. Psalm 103, starting in verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities or sins. Amen. Who heals. How many of your diseases? All. All. Take that to the bank. Okay. God said it. He means it. Amen. So. Uh, again, go listen to last week because I, I can't go back into that. So we talked a lot about the connection between sickness and disease and sin. Now, now, please, I hope nobody went away last week thinking, okay, so basically if I'm sick, that means I have sin. No, the connection between sickness, disease, and sin is that God, when he created this planet and created man, he did not create sickness and disease to be part of their experience. That came into life experience when they sinned. When sin was allowed to come into the world, with sin came spiritual death, physical death, separation from God, all of these things, okay? It was never God's plan for us to die. It was never God's plan for us to get sick. Are you getting this? Now, that's, this is monumental, because if you don't grab this, then when you get sick, the devil's going to say, well, God did this to you. No, God can't do it to you, because God doesn't have any death in him. You can't give somebody what you don't have. You getting this? All right, good. So, let's go back again to Mark chapter 2. I know we talked about this last week, but I want to stick with this a little bit longer. Seeing that connection between sin and sickness. Why? I'm assuming everybody in this room has a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm assuming if you didn't, you will. You could have the opportunity before we leave tonight. Now, when you invited Jesus Christ to commit to your life, you were acknowledging that he paid for your sin. Yes, yes. yes or no? Yes. Did Jesus pay for the sins of mankind on the cross? Yes. Every one of us, right? Yes. Okay, so, so theoretically and legally, really legally speaking, not even theoretically, but literally, when sin was broken off of us, the legal right for sickness and disease to come upon us was also 
broken off of us. But if you don't know that, you sit there and tolerate this stuff because you think, well, this is just, this is my cross to bear. No, it's not. Well, this is my thorn in the flesh. No, honey, you need to go study the Bible. Because maybe I should teach on that. And yeah, I better teach on that one maybe a few weeks from now. Because why am I talking about Because the devil will use your thinking, your reasoning, with a little smattering of spirituality and half of a scripture to get you to come up with the theory that, well, this is life. And in life, you're going to have sickness. You're going to get sick. You're going to die. Now, we're going to die. But you don't have to die sick. We can just shut our eyes one day and go to sleep and that's it. And it's just a change of address. That's all it becomes. Are you listening? Come on, because that's how I want to go. Change of address. And I told you, when we get to heaven, if you're looking for me, don't look for a bald guy. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. And we got to move quick. You, you know, we, we've already taken too much time. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. That's his new home. During his ministry time, his home was not Nazareth. His home was Capernaum. And they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. And he preached the word to them. Why is that important? Because what happens next is based on the fact that he preached the word to them. The power of God is on the word of God. You're getting this? Jay, is that you back there? Go real quick to Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I think it is. I know it's not in the notes, but... Romans chapter 1, verse... I believe it's 16. It's either 15 or 16, but I think it's 16. Yeah, look at this now. Everybody pay attention to, to the screens. This is Paul writing to the church at Rome, and this is what he said. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, the gospel of Christ, is the what? Power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Amen. You catching this? The word of God is the power of God. The gospel is the word of God, right? Yes. So we could take the gospel out of here. So I could say, for I'm not ashamed of the word of God or the word of Christ, for it is the power. That sounded real powerful. For it is the power of God. The word produces. The word will get you to build faith on the inside. Amen. So he goes, he's there in Capernaum. Uh, there's a crowd there. He's preaching the word to the crowd. Verse three, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Four friends are bringing this paralyzed individual to Jesus. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. And then they lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, saw their faith he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who, who can forgive sins but God alone? Well, that's the whole point. He's telling them, I'm God. Okay? Verse 8, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, 
to say that the paralyzed, to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Now, the same account in Luke chapter 5, Luke adds something to it. Okay? All right, hear me out real quick, because I want to give you this, because I want you to put this in context. Okay? Very quickly, uh, who wrote the Gospel of Luke? Luke. Was Luke there when Jesus was on the earth? No. So somebody told Luke what happened. And it obviously had to be somebody who was there the whole time that Jesus was ministering. Okay, if you go and you do, I don't have time to go through the whole thing tonight, but if you go study it out, Luke, at some point in time, had the opportunity to sit down with Mary, Jesus' mother, and she told him every detail of what went on. Okay, remember the Gospel of Luke? Covers the information about Gabriel coming to Mary, about, about Jesus' birth. Uh, nobody else was there but Mary when Gabriel showed up. Okay? So, so we know now that Mary is adding to the story her, what she sensed, what she perceived, what she noticed and observed. Okay? So same story, same scenario, but Luke chapter 5, verse 17 says, the power of the Lord was there to heal. It says, and when Jesus was preaching the word, the power of the Lord was there to heal. Okay? Now, if the power of the Lord was there to heal, then everybody in that house could have got healed. But the faith was displayed by four guys and their friend. You getting this? Now, the key is this. Jesus didn't go and wave his hand. Jesus didn't wave a magic wand. Jesus this time doesn't spit in the guy on the guy's tongue. Jesus this time doesn't put mud in his eye. He says to him, son, your sins are forgiven. forgiven. Now, when he said that, you wouldn't have seen it and I wouldn't have seen it. And possibly if you were there, we might have perceived, wait a minute, something just shifted. Something just broke in the atmosphere. You listening to me? Because sin was just told, you have no legal right on this man any longer. This, to our knowledge, is the first time is recorded that Jesus ever addressed sin this way. Told the man, your sins are forgiven. Sin, at that point, had to go, I got to back off here. You listening to me? Yes. Now, you're born again? Yes. Your sins have been forgiven? Yes. You need to tell sickness and disease when it tries to come on you. Excuse me. You may have had a legal right at one time, but you don't have a legal right. And honestly, really, if you really want to think about it, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him. So when Jesus died on the cross, he died on the cross for the sins of the entire world. 
So even an unsaved person can get healed if they will believe at least that facet of the gospel. Are you listening to me? This is what this is the point I want to make. Why? Because the devil always comes to us bringing guilt and condemnation. Oh, this came on you because you did this. Oh, this sickness is coming on you now because you say, well, you sinned yesterday. You sinned five times today. You were nasty uh, and wah-wah when they made you, you didn't like the coffee. The devil will bring you all kinds of opportunities to fall for guilt and condemnation. Is anybody getting this? If you don't realize and you don't remind yourself, wait a second, yeah, yeah, I did mess up. I did make a mistake. I did sin. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have went there. Shouldn't have did this. But wait a second. My sin has been forgiven. The power of sin has been broken off of me. You do a real quick 1 John 1, 9, and then you grab hold of your healing. Don't let the devil try to convince you to keep sick. And to stay sick. Are you listening? Yes. All right, good. All right, so we went through a bunch of scriptures last week. We talked about this. Jeremiah 17, 14. I think we did. Yeah, because it's not what just when Jesus shows up on the scene that we realize that God wants to heal us. It goes all the way back. Jeremiah 17, 14. I don't know if we read it or not. We're going to read it again. Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved, for you are my praise. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 17. For I will restore to you health, and I will heal you of your wounds, declares the Lord. Another promise. Here comes another one. Jeremiah 33, 6. Behold, I will bring it to it health and healing, and I will heal them, and I will reveal to them an abundance of peace and truth. Okay? Psalm 107, verse 20. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from destruction. And before we're done tonight, I'm hoping to get to the fulfillment of that scripture in Jesus's ministry. Okay, hold on to Psalm 107, verse 20, okay? Then we went, let's go to Isaiah 53, which I think we read last week, but I think we stopped there. I think we stopped there. Now, mind you, for those that are not aware yet, some of you that are newer to the faith, newer to studying the Bible, the book of Isaiah we know for a fact, was recorded and written down about 700 years before Jesus was born on the earth. 700 years. That's like almost three times the history of our nation between the time the promise was made and between the time that the promise was fulfilled. So 700 years, that would be approximately... 500 years before the Roman Empire even existed, it would be about 400 years before crucifixion even became a thing. And listen to what the prophet Isaiah records what he saw in a vision. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him, He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Verse 4, surely he has borne our griefs, and I'm going to go over this again, and carried our sorrows. Okay. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God. In other words, he originally thought this man that he saw that this was happening to, he's thinking within himself, this guy must have sinned big time to be punished this way to be mutilated this way, 
But then he goes on, then he realizes, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised, and some, some translations say crushed. He was bruised for our iniquities, our sin. The chastisement, or you could put the word punishment in there. The punishment for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes or by his wounds, we are healed. You getting this? Centuries before it actually happens, God gives this promise to his people that someday your Messiah is going to come. But this is what he's going to have to suffer. This is what he's going to have to endure. This is what he's going to have. This is the payment that's going to have to be made in order for you at that time, Israel, to be free from your sin. Sin had to be paid for. Somebody had to pay for sin. Okay? If, if he didn't, we'd have to. But all of eternity is not enough time for us to pay for that debt. Are you listening? Okay? And it goes on to say, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity or the sin of us all. Okay? Uh, we should expect healing because healing is part of what Jesus did on the cross. Okay? Now, I'm going to go to a scripture that proves to us, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that Jesus Christ is the one who fulfilled this scripture. Okay? You ready? Now, let me ask you this question before we go any further. The Gospel of Matthew, is it inspired by God? Was it inspired? Did the Holy Spirit speak to Matthew and tell him what to write down? Yes. 100%. You're sure? Yes. You think the Holy Spirit knows Scripture? Yes. Are you convinced that the Holy Spirit knew what the Old Testament said? Yes. Okay, good. Matthew chapter 8. The first time I saw this, I was like, I, 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 can't, I can't even believe this. This is, this is amazing. Matthew chapter 8, verse 14. Now, when Jesus had come into Peter's house, and we're back at Capernaum again, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. Okay, it's Peter's mother-in-law, okay? Which I'm sure Peter would have went, do I really want Jesus coming in the house? (laughs) So, verse 15, so he touched her hand, the fever left her, and she arose and served them. Okay, verse 16 When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word, and and look at what it says next, and healed all who were sick. Stop there. So Peter's mother-in-law gets healed, yes? So healing's flowing now. That People realize it. They go home and get everybody who's either sick or demon-possessed and bring them back to the house. And he cast out the spirits with the word, go, in Jesus' name, go. That's what we would say in Jesus' name. He would say, go in my name. And, and, and healed how many? All. All who were what? Okay, next verse, verse 17. Look at this. It's a no-brainer. The scripture itself tells us that Jesus is the fulfillment of Isaiah 53. Look at this. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. You catching this? Matthew's gospel tells us that Jesus fulfilled this 100%. 
100%. He was a fulfillment. Imagine the people who knew. Imagine the Bible school, the Bible scholars, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the priests, the scribes who knew what Isaiah 53 said. And then seeing this come to pass right before their eyes, recognizing he's here. And many of them did, but a lot of them refused it too. A lot of them rejected too. But watch this now. Jesus has never stopped doing that. He's still fulfilling Isaiah 53. He's still. Now, there's a, there's a, they're not here tonight, I don't think. Um, I don't see. I met a couple last week when I was in Bayville. Was it last week? Two weeks ago, whenever it was. Whatever. And she had heard this teaching. I don't remember if she was here, uh, husband and wife, or if uh, they go to Bayville. I don't know if they were here or she heard the recording. And she said to me, now I've known that this, this woman's been sick for many, many years. She's been, well, I, I wouldn't say sick. She's been in pain for many, many years. And she stopped me in the lobby outside the sanctuary and she said to him, listen, I was thinking about Isaiah 53. Remember what you just taught on this? I said, yeah. Uh, and she said this. She said, it dawned on me. Now, really, what she received was a revelation from the Holy Spirit. She said, it dawned on me that Isaiah 53 can be personalized. And she said, it's uh, Linda Solers. You know who I'm talking about. And she said, I began to pray, Jesus, you took this on yourself 2,000 years ago. And by your stripes, I am healed. So I am personally, I am, listen now, listen, this is good. She said, I am personally giving to you now all of this pain, all of this suffering, all that I'm going, all this torment that I'm going through, and by your stripes, I'm healed now. She said, it's the first time I've had relief in in years. Could you imagine that? Personalize it, personalize it. Okay, it's for you just like it is for anybody else. She said, she said, it was like I was having a conversation with Jesus. She said, so you mean the pain that I'm experiencing now, you're willing to take. personalize it. You got to remind ourselves that healing is a done deal as far as it was purchased on the cross. Healing has to be received. It cannot be earned. It cannot be earned. Okay? Now you say, well, yeah, yeah, I know that. But how many times when we go to the doctor, you get a report or you get it or, or some kind of symptom or something's not working right and then you start thinking, okay, God, you got to take care of this because after all, you know, God, um, I'm on the worship team. I'm an usher. I go to church every Sunday. I pay my tithes. You know, I'm not drinking. I'm not smoking. I'm not messing around. What, what are you trying to do when you do that? You're trying to bargain with God, which is really what you're saying is, I just, God, I deserve this. Yes or no? Yes. That's a trap from the enemy. You can't earn it. Now, watch. You can position yourself to receive healing. You posture yourself in faith. You begin to say the things that you need to say for healing to manifest in your body, but you can't earn it. And listen, this is not a new thing that showed up. Let's go to Luke chapter 7, verse 1. Man, where does the time go? Luke chapter 7, verse 1. 
Luke chapter 7, verse 1. Are you, are you looking at the screens? Yes. Okay. Now, when he, Jesus, concluded all these sayings in the hearing of the people, he answered Capernaum, verse 2. And a certain centurion servant, I know some of you are familiar with the story, and a certain centurion servant who was dear to him, the servant was dear to the centurion, was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, watch this now, look, I want you to follow through this here. When he, the centurion, heard about Jesus, he, the centurion, sent elders of the Jews Pharisees, religious leaders, maybe the head of the synagogue, sent to him, Jesus, pleading with him, pleading with Jesus. So, so the elders of the Jews, they went on behalf of the centurion, pleading with Jesus to come and heal his servant. Next verse. And when they came to Jesus, here it comes, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. Stop there, don't go to the next thing yet. They go to Jesus and they try to pull a political thing on him. A little arm twister. They probably said, they probably said to the centurion, we got a guy. We, we, we got a connection with this guy. We're going to go. Let us go. We'll go. We're going to take care of this. Don't worry about it. Because they want to be big shots in the eyes of the centurion. Okay? Next verse. For he loves, he loves our, the centurion. They're going to Jesus and say, hey, this guy loves our nation. And look, and he's built us a synagogue. In other words, you got to make us look good here. This guy built us a church. You got to heal this guy's servant. You're going to make us look bad. Do you, see, do you see how crafty that is? Do you see how ungodly that is? So what happens next? Come on. Then Jesus went, but I can imagine Jesus didn't even pay attention to them. Because they know, wait a second, this centurion's not a Jew. If he's asked for me to come, this man has faith. He did not go because the Jews said, you better come because this guy built a synagogue for us. In other words, you know, uh, we put his name on a plaque and everything. <laughs> Jesus went with them, and when he was already not far from the house... The centurion sent friends. Notice he doesn't send the same people back. He sends friends. In other words, people that are not going to put, I don't know if you guys are going to understand this one, not going to put the arm on Jesus. Okay? The centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, and this is a message from the centurion to Jesus, Lord, calls him Lord, do not trouble yourself. For I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. Well, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is a very different message than the elders that came and said, hey, this guy deserves for you to come. This guy, the centurion realizes, oh, no, this is not how you handle things with somebody like this. He sends a message, message to him and says, don't trouble yourself. For I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. Amen. Is there more to that? No, we stopped at verse 7, because that was the important part. You catching this? Don't try to make deals with God. Don't try to prove your, your worthiness. It's all grace. It's all mercy. It has nothing to do with you. That's why sometimes the worst person in your, in your sphere of influence amongst you, that, that person will get healed. And the one who's the churchgoer paying the tithes every week, they die. Yeah. 
Why? Because the one thinks, I deserve this. The other one knows, I don't deserve this, God. Please, have mercy on me. I don't deserve it. I am a sinner. I've led a terrible life. But God, you're merciful, and you are gracious. And God, I'm, I'm, I'm reaching out to you by faith that you'll release the grace that I need for this healing. Amen. Are you catching this? Amen. It's heart attitude. It's heart. We don't deserve anything. We, you really want to get serious about it. We all deserve to go to hell, and that's it. Yeah. It's only because of his mercy. It's only because of his grace. It's only because that he's committed his love unto us that we have the opportunity to receive Christ and avoid separation from God. You getting this? Yes. Do you see it? Yes. Three people saw it. Did you see what we just... That day, the Roman centurion, who was not a Jew, taught the people who should have known God what God was really like. I pray that they learn their lesson. We'll know when we get to eternity, we'll find who were the guys, remember Jesus, who were the guys, the centurion, the servant, who were the guys that came to you to talk to you the first time? Are they here? Did they make it? You see what you see? Do you see how that worked out? Yes. Jesus, I could picture Jesus listening to them talk to him. The first batch that went, him going, Where is this guy? Where's his address? What's his address? Well, let's go. Not because he built the synagogue, not because he loved the, the, the nation, not because they were twisting Jesus' arm, but because of the mercy that Jesus had for this, this servant of the centurion who was suffering greatly. You catching this? Yes. You got to learn the mechanics of how these things work. So let's see, where else do I want to go here? All right. So as we study the Bible, we see that the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of the 12 disciples, the ministry of the early church all involved healing alongside teaching and preaching. Amen. The teaching and preaching is supposed to produce the atmosphere for the healing. God's greatest desire is that you and I would get healed just from hearing his word. Oh, I forgot to go to Psalm 107 again. Didn't we talk about that before? Okay. That, that episode we just talked about in Luke chapter 7 was a direct fulfillment of Psalm 107 verse 20. Look at it. He sent his word and healed them. What did the centurion say to Jesus? Just, just, just speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. You seeing this? Because yep, yes. you, know, you go through the Bible, you see Jesus all over the place. Old Testament, New Testament. He, he sent his word, Jesus sent his word, and healed them and delivered them from their what? Destructions. Well, Pastor, you know, I have a cousin that's in the hospital. They're, it's, uh, they're all the way in California, and we're here. How do we do this? We send the word and expect a manifestation based on this promise, based on, the, based on the reality of what Jesus walked in when he was on the earth. You don't have to be there with the person to pray for them. Well, we're supposed to lay hands. On, yeah, when you can, you lay hands on the sick. But when you can't, it's impossible. Jesus, God doesn't just leave the person to die. He uses other methods. Amen? Amen. All right, so we see that all throughout Jesus' ministry, all throughout the disciples, or we could say the apostles' ministry, 
and the early church all involved healing alongside teaching and preaching. Matthew chapter 4 shows us that Jesus' ministry, what it was like as soon as he was baptized. As soon as Jesus was baptized, his ministry starts. Verse 22 uh, from Mark chapter 4. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases among the people. Jesus' ministry involved what? Teach. You're getting ahead of it. Teaching, preaching, healing. Let's do it again. Teaching, preaching, healing. One more time. Teaching, preaching, healing. So if he said to us that we're supposed to carry on his ministry, then what are we supposed to be doing? Want to do it one more time? Yes. Do it with the hands. Everybody's Italian tonight. Everybody talks with their hands. Ready? What are we supposed to do? Teaching, preaching, healing. Why are we doing this? Because he told us to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So if we're only doing teaching and we're only doing preaching, then we are not fulfilling the ministry of Jesus. Okay, well, there's more, but let's stick with these three. Simple enough, right? Well, pastor, that's your job because you're the pastor and you teach. No, no. You, you have a Bible. You probably have multiple Bibles. You, you sit with someone who needs the teaching and you open up the scriptures and you you. You read the script. It's all there. The script is right there. You preach. What is preaching? Maybe you share your testimony. Maybe you tell them. You, you tell them what Jesus has done for you uh, uh, along these lines. And then what do you do? You lay hands. You pray. You, you hold their hand. If they allow you to, you put your hand on there. You know, we'll talk about that as we go along. The methods of healing. Because there's, there's many. It's not just one or two. Okay? You, you getting this so far? All right, good. So here we go. And he went about in the synagogues preaching. Well, it was preaching and teaching. Or no, it's teaching and preaching and healing all kinds of sicknesses. Then his fame went out all through Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases, torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee, from Decapolis, the ten cities, and Jerusalem and Judea and beyond the Jordan. Now, Matthew chapter 9 includes this, includes in Matthew chapter 9. Again, we're talking about Jesus' ministry. Because, you know, when you talk about Jesus, most of the time we talk about Jesus' ministry, most people who don't really study the Bible or most people who don't really know the Lord, the first thing, great teacher. Great teacher. Wonderful teacher. And they put him with Mahatma Gandhi and everybody else. Great teacher. Because everybody wants to go to the Sermon on the Mount and, well, this is, you know, blessed are the poor, blessed, blah, blah, blah. A great teacher, okay? But teaching is only one-third of his ministry. So you read the Gospels, because I know you do, and you see there's healing all throughout there. Okay? And sometimes, like you can see, some, most of the healings will be in, in Matthew, 
uh, uh, Mark and Luke. Sometimes in the Gospel of John, they're different ones, okay? And, and you'll get different perspectives of the same healing so that we can learn how Jesus did this. Okay, but it's, it's healing. What, what brought the crowds out of Syria and what brought all these multitudes coming to him? Because they heard about what? The healing. The woman, the woman in, Matthew, in Mark chapter 5 that had that hemorrhage for 12 years, why did she risk her life going from her house to where Jesus was? Because she heard about Jesus. And then hearing about him, I'm getting ahead of myself, uh, hearing about it, developed faith on the inside of her. You, you catching this? She heard what happened. She heard what Jesus did. She heard about maybe him cleansing the lepers. She heard about him healing the sick. She heard about him opening up blind eyes. She heard about all these things. So faith rose up on the inside because she's stuck in the house for 12 years because she's got a, a hemorrhage. She's bleeding for 12 years. And under Jewish law, a woman who has this condition cannot go out in public. They're almost considered like lepers. So for 12 years, she's stuck in the house. She's depending on somebody stopping by, and, and somebody obviously stopped by and telling, hey, you haven't been out of the house, but you can't believe what's going on. There's this, this man, they say he might be the Messiah. He's healing people. He's, he's raising the dead. <coughs> Excuse me. He's casting out demons. He's, and, and she's like, whoa. Because the Bible tells us, go read it, Mark chapter 5, that she, she spent everything she had and she's still sick. Does that sound familiar? Yes. So she spent everything she had on doctors and she grew worse. Now she's broke and sick. And so faith rises up on the inside of her and she says, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. And she risked her life. Proving that she had faith. She took action. She just didn't sit in her house and go, yeah, I know, I know if I could just touch a hem of his garment. You know, I just know. I know. I know if I, if, I could just get, if, I could just, if I could just get close to him. I know. I know I'll be healed. No, she would have died. She had to put action to what she claimed she believed. You catching this? Yes. She had to put action. I can't tell you how many times that I've uh, that, that maybe hours before I'm supposed to come here to preach, some type of a symptom will come up. And I ask, what am I going to do? I can't. I'm not going to spring it on somebody here on staff. Like, and, and hey, guess what? In an hour, you're, you're preaching, you're ministering. So I have no choice, especially in the, in the early days. Now, I have plenty of people around me that I could say, here, take this and run with it. You do the, the ministry tonight. I need to stay home and rest, or I need to stay home and recover from something. But in the past, when there was no choice, and I'll still do it now, okay? In the past, when there was no choice, I'd have to get in the mirror and say, you're the heel of the Lord. You, you've got to. You're getting up. You're getting Because when you get behind that pulpit, every symptom is going to leave. And guess what? It's all tied into action steps of faith. Okay? You listening? So, we see it in the Gospel of Mark. We see it in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 9 it says that he healed a paralyzed man, a woman who bled for 12 years. He, rose a, he raised a young lady from the dead, restored sight to two blind men, and healed a mute. All in that one chapter. All right, verse 35 then goes on to say, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, here it is again, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Because they were weary and scattered 
like sheep having no shepherd. That's what we're seeing right now. You go to the supermarket, what are you seeing? You're seeing people scattered like those who have no shepherd. And we're supposed to have compassion on them. Why? Fear is paralyzing people. Even those that are experiencing physical symptoms, they're, they're pushing themselves to get out, to go shopping, to do whatever it needs to do. But you could see on people's faces, there's no life there. It's a struggle. They're down. They're depressed. They're oppressed. They feel like the weight of the world is on their shoulders. And we have the answer. Are you listening to me? We have compassion needs to rise up within us to take the step and say, uh, excuse me, um, I don't know, start a conversation. You're in the supermarket, start a conversation. You know, hey, can you believe the price of this steak? Start a, start a conversation. <laughs> we need to be moved with compassion just like Jesus is moved with compassion. I hope you're getting this. Verse 37, then he said to the disciples, after he saw that he had compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep and having no shepherd, he said to the disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Let, Let me stop right here because we're almost out of time. Within the body of Christ, I'm not talking about Jesus' physical body, I'm talking about the church, because we are all the body of Christ. Those of us that are believers, those of us that have received Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are his body here. We're his representation on the earth. We are Jesus on the earth. Okay? But now watch that. Within this group, there's going to be those who plant. There are going to be those who water what's planted. And there's going to be those who harvest. Don't get discouraged because maybe you're not harvesting. Maybe you're in the season right now to plant seeds in people's hearts. Because I hear people talk sometimes. You know, I've been ministering to this one for years and years and years, but they just don't seem like they're getting it. No, them getting it is not your responsibility. Your responsibility is planting the seeds. Because what you're going to find out someday is that person that seems so hard to you, they're going to come to you one day and go, every time you came and spoke to me, somebody at work or somebody in my neighborhood or somebody at the store would come up to me and tell me the same thing that you just told me. What is that? That's one who's watering. And then someday God will send somebody. Maybe it'll be you. But if it's not, what difference does it make? Someday God will send somebody to harvest. Some plant, some nurture, some harvest. What difference does it make which one it is? Just do it. Just do it. Start planting. Just start planting. Start dropping seeds. Okay? And then when you have the opportunity, water somebody. Most of the time, most of the time, you're going to be in the watering position. Most of the time, it's very rare, especially where we, we live in our, our nation, it's very rare that you're going to come to somebody and talk to them about Jesus, and it's going to be the first time they ever hear his name. We're not in Mongolia, okay? Most of us are going to be watering, and then there are those that are going to reap the harvest. They're going to be the ones that are going to say, come on, let's pray. Give me your hands, let's pray together. 
The important thing is that we allow the compassion of Jesus to flow through us to reach other people's lives. You listening? All right, I'm going to stop here because next week we're going to finish this up and then we're going to go into the hindrances of healing. What stops people from receiving their healings? And then after that, we're going to go into the methods of ministering healing to others. Okay?